Today's reading is taken from First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 to 20, starting at verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of, the, of those who have fallen asleep. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Andy, up. But do be careful, there's a mystery object on the, on the side of the stage here. Is that it? I'll take it. Yeah. Um, can I pray for you? You can. <laughs> Father, we thank you for Andy, and we thank you for the word that you've put on his heart and on his mind to share with us. I pray that you would give him clarity of thinking and words, and that you would help us to take what you want us to take away from this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Christians are weird, right? Christians believe some really, really weird stuff. Virgin birth, weird. One God, who's actually three, but only one really, weird. That in taking communion, we are taking part in a crucifixion. Really, really weird. People are free to believe whatever they like, however frustrating that might be. I mean, you are free to believe that salted caramel and rum and raisin are not the best ice cream flavors. I'll tell you now that you're wrong, but you're free to believe it if you want to. We are free to believe whatever we like. And what it comes down to is that that belief is either right or wrong. You are either correct or incorrect. Your belief is either true or false. I can believe that I can safely dance across the M4 with a blindfold on. And while that belief is untested, it makes no difference in my life. However, at some point down the future, in the long run, if I choose to act on that belief, then depending on whether I am right or wrong, there are going to be two very different outcomes. In this morning's reading, the Apostle Paul is having to address an incorrect belief that has crept into the church in Corinth. 
Now, to our modern Christian ears, this incorrect belief will sound really weird. And I mean weird in a bad way. Because the Corinthians believed that Jesus' body hadn't really been resurrected. Apparently, they accepted that Jesus was God, but the resurrection of the dead was a step too far. Now, a bit of historical context here uh, might help. The city of Corinth was the crossroads of the ancient worlds. It was the point where trade met from Europe and Africa and the Middle and Far East. And with all of these, ki- these goods that were coming through, were coming all kinds of people with all kinds of beliefs, ideas, and philosophies. It was a cultural melting point pot. This made it the absolute perfect place to spread the gospel uh, to the world from. However, it also meant that the early church was hearing all kinds of ideas that were contrary to the gospel. For centuries... Before Paul ever arrived in Greece, the Greeks had been teaching Plato's philosophy that the soul was immortal and pure, and that the body was mortal and evil. So when Paul came teaching that Jesus' body had been raised from the dead, some of the Corinthians got a bit confused. Paul couldn't possibly have been teaching that these evil, mortal bodies were in fact being raised, could he? Well, Paul wants to set us straight. Verse 12. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Paul says that this belief is not like your questionable beliefs regarding ice cream flavors. This is important. But what has any of this got to do with us this morning? It's not like there's any heretical teaching going on at St. John's. I don't know about you, but I haven't seen any Platoist philosophers out on the street of Ealing trying to subvert us. What has any of this got to do with us? It's not like we live in a multicultural melting pot with all kinds of ideas being thrown at us. It's not like we are being constantly presented with alternative lifestyles and being told that our life would be so much better if we just followed one of those. It's not like we live in a culture where there are vocal atheist philosophers and a popular culture which is telling us that we are deluded, that our beliefs are irrational and stupid, and that anything goes except Christianity. Obviously, Christianity is an exception to that rule. That's right. That is exactly the situation that we find ourselves in. We are in the 21st century Corinth. Paul says that your belief in the resurrection is not like your beliefs regarding ice cream flavors. The truth of the resurrection is important. In fact, it's a matter of life and death. The entirety, the entirety of the Christian faith hangs on the truth of the resurrection. 
You know why Christians believe weird things? Because Jesus said weird things, really, really weird things. I put up on the screen some of the things that Jesus claimed about himself. In fact, as C.S. Lewis put it uh, in his book, Mere Christianity, a man who was merely a man and claimed the sort of things that Jesus claimed would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a par with uh, a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the very devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, else he is a lunatic or something worse. Extraordinary claims, extraordinary claims like this one, require extraordinary evidence. And the resurrection is the extraordinary proof to all of Jesus' extraordinary claims. Jesus asks us to believe in him. And just as with all important beliefs, whether that belief is right or wrong, there are going to be two very different outcomes. In fact, Jesus warns his disciples time and time again that there are going to be different outcomes and that those are important. Matthew 16, 24. If anyone would come after me, he will deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Matthew 24, 9. You will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Belief in Jesus is much more like our belief in being able to dance blindfolded across the M4 than it is believing in the tooth fairy. There will be consequences to this belief. So, we want to be sure as we can, which is why the bodily bodily resurrection of Christ is the heart of the Christian faith. Jesus promised that as the Son of God, he would suffer, die, and be raised again. Uh, And the resurrection is the proof to these extraordinary claims and to all these other claims up here. As Christians, everything that we believe hinges on the reality of the resurrection of Christ. If he is not risen, then to paraphrase verses 14 and 15 in today's reading, our preaching is pointless, our faith is futile, and our message is meaningless. If Jesus is not risen, then every preacher in history has wasted their time. Every sermon that you have ever heard has been a lie, and we should just pack up and go home now. If Jesus is uh, not alive, then we are no different from those who worship idols, be they natural or man-made. I could just as well be standing up here this morning saying, all hail the holy potato. Bow down and worship before it. Don't laugh. Bow down and worship the potato. 
If Jesus did not rise from the grave, then all your praying, your serving, your witnessing, your giving, your church attendance, it was all pointless. It was all futile. You might as well have just given it to the potato. Everything you have put your faith in is a lie. More than that, you've not only lied to yourself, but you have lied to everyone around you. Every time you have borne witness in your life, you have lied to those around you. Verse 15, we are found to be a false witness because we have testified of God that he has raised up Christ. If the doubters are correct, then you have not only lied to yourself, but you have lied to everyone around you. But that's just the best case scenario. That scenario assumes that none of scripture is true. Much worse, much, much worse would be if the Old Testament is true, but the resurrection is a lie. In which case, verse 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. If the Old Testament is true, but the resurrection is a lie, then we are still lost in our sins and bound for judgment and an eternity in hell. If Christ is not risen, then we are not saved. We have not been justified. We are not being sanctified. And we have no hope of ever being glorified. If Jesus is not alive, then we are lost in our sins and headed for judgment and an eternity in hell. Everything that Jesus did before his death would be meaningless. It would mean nothing without the resurrection. The miracles, the message, the ministry, it all means nothing. It was all in vain. Sin still wins. If Jesus suffered and died but did not rise, then we have no hope of an eternal pardon, no hope of eternal life, no hope of entering with him into the new creation. If Christ is not alive, then we have nothing to base our assurances on. Our eternal security is not secure at all if Jesus is not risen. This is why Paul says in verse 19, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. If the resurrection is a lie, then we are without hope. If the resurrection is a lie, we have been lying to ourselves and to those around us. We have sacrificed our time, our money, to a lie. We have missed out on all kinds of relationships and hedonistic pleasures for a lie. This is why Paul quotes Isaiah in verse 34 when he says, If the dead are not raised, let us eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. If there is no life, uh, if there is... Nothing to live for, 
um, but this life, then let's go and get drunk, do drugs and stuff our faces on chocolate, because when we die, our lives won't mean a thing. If only for the, <coughs> if the resurrection is a lie, then we have fallen for it, hook, line, and sinker, and we are to be pitied as pathetic, gullible fools. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied as pathetic, gullible fools. But, verse 19 is not the end of the chapter. In fact, verses 12 to 19 are just the build-up. If you've ever read any of Paul's other letters in the New Testament, uh, you might have noticed that Paul likes a big, dramatic but. And here in 1 Corinthians 15, we probably have the biggest but of them all. But, but, verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. Jesus promised that he would rise from the grave, and that is exactly what he did. Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave, and because of his finished work, we possess that victory too. Because Jesus is risen, we have a purpose in life. Because Jesus is risen, we have been eternally pardoned. Because Jesus is alive, we have peace with God's. Because Jesus is risen, we are able to possess peace in this life and hope in the life to come. Because he is risen, our preaching is not pointless. Our message is not meaningless and our faith is not futile. We can rest assured that our loved ones who have died in Christ will be with him in his presence. We can claim that promise of the reunion in the new creation. And most of all, we can look forward to that day when we are standing face to face with our living and our loving immortal Lord and Savior. The entirety of the Christian faith hangs on the truth of the resurrection. The bodily resurrection of Christ is the Christian faith. Because of the resurrection, we possess a sure and certain hope. The resurrection is the proof to the extraordinary hope-giving promise in John 11.25 that whosoever lives and believes in me shall not die but have eternal life. Anyone who trusts in and calls on the name of Jesus has this hope for eternity. If you do not know Jesus this morning, then you do not have this hope concerning eternity. But this does not mean that you are without hope. 
Because the resurrection is the proof to the extraordinary promise in Luke 5.32 that he did not come to those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. The resurrection is the proof to the extraordinary promise in Matthew 26.28 that this is my blood of the new covenant that is poured out for many for the forgiveness of all sins. Whoever you are, Whatever you have done, wherever you have been, no matter where you are, no matter what you have done, the gospel of the resurrection is the the gospel of the risen Lord Jesus is God's message of hope to you. He is risen. And because he lives, we have purpose in this life. He is risen, and because he lives, we have been pardoned. He is risen, and because he lives, we have peace with God. He is risen, and because he lives, we have every reason to praise his great and glorious name. Therefore, continue in your faith. Paul finishes this letter with the exhortation to always cling tight to the truth of the resurrection. Verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Stand firm. The world will try to sway you. Let nothing move you. Stand firm. The world will tell you that you are weird. Let nothing move you. Stand firm. The world will, will preach all kinds of messages to you. Let nothing move you. Stand firm. Keep clinging tight to the truth of the resurrection. Keep clinging on to the hope of the resurrection. Keep on doing what you are doing for the Lord because one day he will honor his promise to you that he will return and say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because of the resurrection, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Know in your hearts and in your head that he is risen. And because he lives, we have purpose in this life. Stand firm in that truth. Know in your hearts and in your heads that he is risen. And because he lives, you have been pardoned of your sins. Let nothing move you from that truth. Know in your hearts and in your heads that he is risen. And because he lives, you have peace with God. Let no one persuade you otherwise. Know in your heart and in your heads that he is risen. And because he lives, you have 
every reason to praise his great and glorious name. The entirety of the Christian faith hangs on the truth of the resurrection. This is why Christians down the centuries have made as one voice the great declaration, Christ is risen! Right, okay, we'll try that again. I say Christ is risen. You shout as loud as you can. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Right, so this is why Christians down the centuries have made as one voice the great declaration of praise, Christ is risen! bit better. I reckon we can try to even do it better. Christ is risen! He is risen. And because he lives, we have purpose in this life. He is risen, and because he lives, we have been pardoned. He is risen, and because he lives, we have peace. He is risen, and because he lives, we have every reason to praise his great and glorious name. Christ is risen! Hallelujah!